Hello and welcome to the Gridiron Show back on Radio Row. It's Thursday afternoon, podcast three of the week. Yes, our conversation coming for you on the show today. Straight into it, wasn't he? We, we've it's had like some... you were Rob Ryan the other day. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Me and Robbie got into it, and then he lied to me first. <laughs> Still angry about it. Live it. Not as angry as you were about JGI yesterday, but we'll move on from that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we have had some legitimately fantastic conversations today with the likes of B Dorks. As I now know him, Brian Dawkins, Whitney Merciless, we had Bill Romanowski, uh, Antoine Bethay was fantastic. In fact, I think we'll put, we're putting Antoine Bethay in, aren't we? Chris Johnson, Marshall Newhouse was brilliant. But a lot of that stuff. Whoa, 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 whoa. Christian Kirksey. Christian Kirksey was great. He's just not on my list because we added him Bethea. on at the last minute. Well, he did say Antoine Bethay. Yeah, I know. It was so good you wanted to say it twice. When the horse aren't listening. Yeah. Oh, he comes rich. Why are you trying to wear his no. way back into our good yeah, books? The point, so the point is, is that we have got a lot of great interviews coming up for you in the weeks after yeah. the Super Bowl. And we've got some great interviews coming up for you today. We're going to be hearing from Antoine Bethay, Kelvin Beecham, friend of the show. He wonderful. came over. He's always been a wonderful man. The interview he did with us this time is the best he's ever done. He was outstanding. And because it was on this weekend's game and the line play... Oh, it was, oh. It was wonderful. His insight into the line play interview. was incredible. It, honestly... It was incredible. You should listen back and download. I've got a good story that explains the insanity of Radio Raw to you. Can I just finish telling them, we're also going to do Lee Steinberg, because again, it's the best interview we've ever done with him. Now tell the interview. No, because I've got it all out of the way. Ollie Hunter's here, Matt Sherry's here, and hopefully people have loved David Grimble in the way that we all hoped they would, because Grimble is here as well. Say, hey, Dave. (coughs) Sorry, I panicked. Uh, (laughs) Hey. Hey guys. <laughs> the thing is, none of this is scripted. <laughs> Sorry, I panicked. <laughs> I didn't know what to say. That's so funny. Uh, tell us your story, Sherry. Oh. I'm going to tell you the story. So, I approached the person working with Pro Football Hall of Famer Elvin Bethea today. I wanted to inter- interview him in the off season for a project that is very exciting that I'll tell people all about in the future. And she said to me, yes, we can do it, um, but my husband is also in Hall of Famer. He might fit the project. said, who's your husband? And she said, John Riggins. I was like, yeah, that'll be great. Uh, yeah, go on then. <laughs> if I, I have to. I reckon we'll take that. I reckon we might just do that, absolutely. There's somebody clapping very loudly just behind us. Aggressively as well. It's towards aggressive. the end of the day. It's already half six. We need to go and start eating. We're going to Daddy D's barbecue. Are you coming, Dave Grimble? Damn straight. Look at all the There we go. No, Rich he's Wyatt. not coming. Are you coming to Daddy D's barbecue? No, he's not invited. He's giving it the A OK. Why is he not invited? He was invited last night and didn't even message any of us. Oh, he is invited. That's he is over. Invited. I've never been more offended. He went out in my with life. a splinter group instead of us, but he is invited. And, uh, and fingers crossed, <laughs> fingers crossed, we're going to be going with, because earlier he was so enthusiastic about it, Cameron Lynch from the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who's part of our broadcast on TalkSport this weekend. Uh, all the guys we've had over today have been great. Absolutely fantastic. I've had a whale of a time today. It's, honestly, I, I, yesterday I went through a bit of a lull, a bit of a low period. A couple of our interviews didn't come out properly after we'd recorded them. I was feeling tired. I was feeling high from the media party. I am absolutely buzzing after today. I'm not sure I've, how I've we'll be feeling tomorrow as we drink. Yet another <laughs> sip of our vodka and cranberry. Uh, yeah. The, the lady, the lady seven gave, gave me three. There's I'm no, losing my voice as well. There's no fresh lime, though. So. Are you really being funny about there being a, not a fresh lime in no, your No, of course vodka? I'm not. This is, this is great. You're ridiculous. You're ridiculous. Uh, 
what was the highlight of today, guys, for you? Uh, the madness. Um, ultimately, it's it's always a surreal day. The Thursday and tomorrow will be the same as well. Radio Raw. Shall, shall I just list off? All right. Well, why don't you why don't tomorrow. you just tell us everything about your day? Well, we'll forget about that. <laughs> I'm just saying. Shall I just list off the people? Yeah, who do what you want tomorrow because it's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to keep doing this because it's so much fun. Go on, Sherry. Tell us about the madness. No, I'm not trusting that. <laughs> Red Sherry. Sorry, do you want some salt in your uh, <laughs> in your Tito's? It really brings up the flavour. Come on, Sherry. I'll tell them about who we've got tomorrow. It's in just mad on Radio Raw Thursday, Friday. It builds up during the week, and then it's mind-blowing insanity on a Thursday and a Friday. How uh, how excited were you when you heard that Wesley Woodard was doing our coverage oh, on Sunday? So excited. It was, <laughs> honestly, I've never seen the boyish charm in your face come out more quickly than that. Like, and superbly dressed as well. And he smelt really nice. The listeners won't be surprised to know that we're talking about Wesley Woodyard there, not me. <laughs> um, but can, I, can I tell you my highlight of the day? You're going to like it. You're going to like it. <laughs> Don't make a face. My highlight of today was when Coach Brian Billick walked past us. Billick! And just, Billick. just stopped off and just said, guys... In the most sincere and serious moments where he went, I'm about to go do my last interview of the week. It's my 52nd interview I've done this week. Nobody on Radio Row has known more about football than you British guys. And I just went, sorry, can you say that again on camera? <laughs> it's on the Insta story. I've never had more reactions to anything we've posted ever before. It'll be on Gridane's Twitter tomorrow morning. Matt Sherry well. has never been happier with anything that's been said on camera in his life. We really, I thought we, he was going to cry. Sorry, we, sorry. we really got deep into the nitty-gritty with him as we well. Really we really did. He loved How it. have I only just found out about this? Because <laughs> you didn't look at my Insta story. That's Yet again, I am the last to know. This happens in my family. When things happen, I found out my great-aunt had broken her leg in a fall <laughs> the a day month- she was getting the cast off <laughs> <laughs> a month ago when was I the fall I found out when the fall was a month ago and you I found, found out, out today <laughs> <laughs> she's 94 I um, I found out from you probably knew before me yeah I did <laughs> about your aunt and <laughs> Billick my dad told me about Billick when I first timed him great Billick uh, Dave Grimble what was your highlight of today um, good question. Meeting the Patriots was delightful. Which you ones? went, you went and did the proper media uh, availability where it's yeah, not like got, opening night where it's madness. No, it's just we got like, some good names. Who did uh, you get? Gilmore, one on one, one on one. James White, one on one, one on one. Joe Tooney, one on one. Loves his football. Our football. Right. So, what, are we using any of this for the Gridiron Show, or is this all talks what only material? You can have some. We're all friends. <laughs> you can have some. He's holding it over us. Look at him lording it. <laughs> um, yeah, no, what's mine is yours. Oh, oh well, we'll pop that on the podcast. Yeah, should we whack all that on as well as... Is there anything we can bump until next week? And uh, the London guy, sorry, got him. Obi Miller. Obi Miller Fonwu. He was great. This is actually should you, all be on the podcast. Who do you support there? Hmm? What, who's your football team? Oh, right, hold on. No, don't give him stick about this. Obi Mellon Fonwu, for as much as we love him, is a developmental player who okay, is I'm sorry, Grim. coming through. It's Grim, I love you. I love Thanks, you. Man, give him, give him stick for not knowing his name straight off the top of his head. Who do you support, Grim? In real football or soccer or that? I mean, we're at the Silver Box. So. <laughs> how, have you only not, how have you not found this out yet? Uh, we hugged it out over the Patriots in our first meeting. So that's why Did I you just forget about the that? fact that he didn't know Obi Malafan or what? The Malafan, 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 the 
not platinum, just normal Bud Light. <laughs> platinum for people back home. Don't drink Bud Light Platinum. <laughs> for people back home, <laughs> unless unless they ever decide to sponsor this show, do not drink Bud Light. <laughs> yeah. Ah, uh, good, good. You said yeah, but you're now drinking it. This is, this is normal Bud Light, no, not Platinum. Yeah, but Bud Light is crap. Yeah, Bud Light Platinum six percent now. Whoa, whoa, whoa! We've spoken way too much about Bud Light and they are, Bud they're Light not Platinum. sponsoring us, by the way. No, Ollie, what was your highlight of the day? Do you know what? I think it was Marshall Newsom. I thought he was great, and at the end, he found out he was that annoyed that you didn't tell him you were a Packers. He fan. Found out I was a Packers fan, <laughs> and he was he was annoyed about it. Uh, but you know, I kept, I, I kept it. Um, he backed Aaron Rodgers in a big way after Jermichael Finley had essentially just completely torn him down two days earlier. And also, such a highlight that he's got his name completely wrong. It's Newhouse, Ollie. Oh, him what, as well. What did he say? Newsom. <laughs> Another another what a highlight. Another highlight of mine is calling David Johnson Chris Johnson to Antoine Bethay. So, but I corrected him then as well. Yeah, but well, you had to. I'm glad you did. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, thanks, but no we had Chris Johnson on as well. That's why it was in my head. It was in my head. What about Marshall Newsom? Who's that? I don't know who that was. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get into the interviews. We're going to have the Pat stuff now as well. Great. Can you make sure that gets sent over to me because we've claimed it's going to be on there now. Thank you. So uh, ping it over, buddy. Uh, Dave Grimble. Rich Wyatt, do you want to get involved and say anything? Have you had a good week? You have to say into that microphone over there because otherwise can't it's completely hear you, pointless. It's not magic. I've only had Rich Wyatt's been on the podcast once before and it was when he was very drunk after a... That's uh, not true. <laughs> He was he, on the podcast last year. He's super sober now. Oh, were you I'm on very last sober. I'm having the best time. Closer to your mouth. I'm having the best time. It's been a wonderful week. Seeing you guys is always very special. Certainly Mr. Sherry over there. Of course it is. Well, why, why, why? The people why, of NFL UK couldn't be more positive about you. They absolutely love you. Well, are you happy with the tea bags? Oh, my God. Rich White, that was one of the highlights today. PG tips. Rich White. I mean, they could be very Yorkshire tea, but otherwise, you did a great job. All twinings. It's just a pleasure being around you all. <laughs> Thanks, bud. Are we going to go to the bar? Yes, we are. Let's get into it. I Let's hear from. Sorry, we're going to have the latest odds with Skybet coming up, including some fun prop bets ahead of this weekend. We're going to hear from Antoine Bethea. We're going to hear from Kelvin Beecham. We're going to hear from Lee Steinberg, and we're going to be hearing from a slew of big-name Patriots players, apparently, as well. We don't have to include the stuff about where they have to identify Alan Brazil or not. Don't worry. This is uh, the Gridiron Show. So, joined on Radio Row by current Arizona Cardinals safety and. Former, no, you still say Super Bowl champion as well, don't you? Yeah, of course. Even if they're not. Of course, Super Bowl champion. You're not going to take that off the guy. I'm never taking it off you, uh, Antoine. <laughs> Antoine Bethay, um, welcome to Radio Row. Is Thank this you. your first Radio Row experience? No, this not. This is actually my third. Okay, so yeah. so it's not all new and crazy and all of that, and you don't get this when you're when you're playing in the right. Super Bowl because you're kept away from it. So you're used to all of this. Now you're here. With, uh, uh, with your book, Bet on Yourself, Inside the Mind of the Ultimate Underdog. Yes, Can sir. you just tell us a little bit about it? Well, it just, it just talks about, um, you know, a little bit about my life growing up um, and also my path uh, to where I'm at right now. You know, entering my 14th year um, in the league and just, you know, how, how it started and how it came about. Um, being an underdog in high school, uh, being an underdog um, in college, and, and coming into the league, you know, uh, people telling me what I what I could and what I couldn't do. Um, and like I said, you know, now I'm entering my 14th year. I'm a Super Bowl champion, three uh, three time Pro Bowler. Um, I just really willing to tell my story. So 
Um, I think anybody can kind of uh, relate to that. I think everybody um, in their lives have has been considered or um, considered themselves as an underdog at some point. And um, hopefully, you know, you can read the book and get some um, some motivation from it. Your underdog story had a had a very quick peak. You came into the league as a guy who was expected to be a bottom of the roster type player if you even made the 53. You ended the season making key players in playoff games in a Super Bowl run. I wonder how much of the initial impact you made was driven by the constant underdog feeling and that chip on your shoulder because we, we see in these seats all the time at these events guys who have had that underdog mentality generally go on to become better players than, than maybe the otherwise would have. No, I think I think it was uh, it has a lot to do with it. Um, one, being able to uh, to prove the people the doubters wrong. Um, two, having that chip on your shoulder, but also you know um, it was my job to perform, and I wanted to do that to the to the best of my ability. So um, you know, having that Super Bowl run as, as in my rookie year, like you said, being a six round draft pick, um, not knowing what was going to happen, man. And when I was got, when I got the nod. Um, that they told me that I was going to be a starter. Um, I told myself I wouldn't let that opportunity slip through my fingers. And, um, you know, I was I was fortunate enough to go to a great organization, a great team. And, um, like you said, my rookie year was was able to win a, a Super Bowl. A guy who was the opposite to that underdog status um, was Peyton Manning, the first overall pick who'd always had those, those ludicrous expectations. But by that point of his career, he was nearly a decade in the league. He'd never won the Super Bowl. It was the giant thing hanging over his head mm-hmm. I wonder what was it like in the building that season with, with Peyton and even as a rookie were you, did you quickly become a guy who wanted to win that ring for Peyton Manning as well I think um, in that building uh, they set the standard so high you know they set the standard so high the year before I got there I think everybody in that building felt as though um, they should have won the Super Bowl that year you know um, obviously that crazy play with, um, against uh, Pittsburgh um but, you know, just the standard that they set in that building, me walking into that building, I think everybody understood what they was playing for. Um, anything short of a Super Bowl was, was, uh, was a failure. So um, coming into that mix, uh, you, you kind of gravitated, gravitated to that really, really quick. So um, not only for, for him, I just think it, we had a lot of veterans on that team um, that we wanted to get it for. You know, Coach Dungey, you know, um, so even Bill Polian, you know, even when he was with Buffalo Bills, they went to the Super Bowl four yeah. straight years and never got it. So, you know, even for him. So it was just a lot of people um, in the fold that, you know, we wanted to go out there and, and, and get it for, and we was able to do that. That playoff run was at the height of the Tom brady Peyton manning rivalry. Yeah. It was the, the AFC Championship game where you guys were down, I think, 21-3 yeah. and came back. That was the game where Peyton Manning finally beat Tom Brady in the playoffs. Yeah. It, what was it like being involved in... I mean, you literally know that you're involved in history taking place. You're a rookie. It must have been an incredible game to be Man, a part of. I would say that might have been the best game I've ever played in. Um, and it was crazy because after, after we won that game, we, jokingly but not jokingly, we said that was our Super Bowl. Uh, we were very confident that we was going to go up there and beat the Chicago Bears. But we was like, that was our Super Bowl. And being able to play that game um, in front of our stadium, our home fans and... And the, the comeback the way we yeah. did, um, you know, that was that was by far the craziest the craziest atmosphere that I've I've 
I've played in. What was Peyton like on the sidelines when it was going wrong in that game? Was there, was there anything as a young guy where you looked at him and thought, wow, that's why he's Peyton Manning? Man, it, it's crazy for me to say this, man, but I, it, it was always so calm on our sideline in our locker room. Um, going to the locker room during that time, you know, Coach Dungy said, look, guys, don't panic. Like, we're going to win this game. And, you know, you know, sometimes you can, you can, somebody can say that and you can look at him and you can feel him like, you know, you're full of it, you know. But, you know, when Coach Dungy and, 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 the, and the vet guys will really say that, you know, we, we really believe that. And, um, you know, we, we came out, man, and we was uh, resilient, man, able to come back. So it, it wasn't any chaos on the sidelines. It wasn't a lot of um, cursing or, or complaining or whatever the case may be. It was like, look, we're going to take it one play at a time and, and we're going to make this comeback happen. Yeah, and I want to ask you a little bit about your own career as well, your overall career at this point. You've obviously got another year left in, in Arizona, but from speaking to, to Brittany and the, the people around you, it sounds like you're a guy, and it's a conversation we've had a lot this week, who's really planning already for a, for a life after football yeah. in terms of tech initiatives that you're involved with. Do you want to just talk a little bit about that and, and kind of how long you've had that broader view? Um, I think um, you kind of get a sense of it when you first come into the league, when you when you get shoulders to shoulders with the older guys. Um, you never know when your career is going to end. You know, it could be a player and your season could be done, whether it's for injury or whatever the case may be. So when you come into this league, you know, you, you, know, you really don't want to fathom on it, but you got to think about, okay, what am I going to do after football? And um, I was able to dig, dig into that. Um, 2010 started my foundation, you know, get into the community and do some things, but also um, start to look at some other things that I was interested in, you know, other businesses, um, get into the tech space. Um, I was in San Fran for three years, so obviously, you know, there, um, you know, it's, it's, that's what it's all about. It's all about the tech. Um, so I was able to, to, to get into some companies out there as well, but um, the big thing for, for, for players is like, look, you know, you're not going to play this game forever. When you retire, you're still going to be fairly young and you got to have something that you can turn to as a second career so that was something that I was able to do um and you know that's something I'm gonna continue to do what happened this season with the Cardinals man it was just um if I had to put my finger on I would just say it was just a lot of um man it it was it, it was just tough you know I'm not not to say that we didn't work hard um it was it was just a lot of things that just didn't go our way. Um, sometimes in games, things go your way. For us, um, it was maybe four games that we, four or five games we lost by a field goal or touchdown. And, you know, if you put those um, on top of the, the wins that we had, you know, it's a 500, above 500 team. Um, and we all, you always talk about it when you're in the meeting rooms is that a game is decided between four or five plays in a game. Um, and we go back and look at the games, it will be four or five plays, you know. Um, and it could be that, you know, you, you can make the excuse that, you know, we were a young team, uh, we had a first-year coach, whatever the case may be, but it was just one of those years that it was just tough for us as a team. It did feel, from the outside, watching the games and, and, and some of the things that, I mean, as a, as a football fan, we're expecting Chris Johnson to get more of the ball and, you know, things like that. It just felt like the... the David some, Johnson. Sorry, David Johnson. It just it felt like some things weren't, just weren't clicking as they were in previous seasons with the Cardinals under, for instance, Bruce Arians? Yeah, I mean, I mean, you, you can say that, you know, you can, and, and, you know, I'm not going, you know, nitpick here or there, but, you know, obviously it's, you know, you're watching the game and, you know, you question, not say you question some things, but it was just some things, like you said, hey, we just weren't, weren't clicking on all cylinders. Um, yeah. You know, defense, we didn't play, uh, 
we didn't play as as good as we we could have you know um um, make more impact plays to help our offense out or whatever the case may be so it was just a lot of things that like I like you even said you know we weren't clicking together um and I always just say you know we wasn't playing complementary um to one another as far as offense defense and special teams so um it was definitely a learning experience man um something that you don't want to have to deal with <laughs> year in and year out so I mean, well, it makes you, you the underdog next year it does it does you know having the first Having um having having the first pick, so being the underdog, you know, you got to come out and you got to prove yourself. Um, was you you're a guy who's been around the most successful organizations, and you've also seen coaches come and go. Was Coach Wilkes fired a year too early? I mean, he was only a year in. Or as players, did you think maybe you could see some issues there that that needed to be addressed? No, I think he should have got another shot of another year. You know, to to really put his uh, get his foundation um intact. You know, I think it's tough. They give somebody just one year and say, look, you got this year and, you know, if you don't succeed, yeah. you're out of here. I think that's tough. Um, um, but, you know, that's the part of the business that we're in, you know. But but it's, it's good to see that, it, you know, he he's the D.C. out there in, in Cleveland now. I know he's going to do a great job. I, I have the utmost respect for Coach Wilkes and um, the coach and, and the man that he is. So, you know, I wish him the best. Uh, we spoke to Coach Arians two years ago just before – his cancer surgery yes. um, it didn't let on obviously but an incredible guy an incredible man mm-hmm. and delighted that he's back with the Bucks as a head coach just can you talk to us about him as a man and also as a leader of, of, of an organisation and how pleased you are that he's back in, in yeah, the game Coach B.A. man he's a, he's a great guy you know um, I first uh, met him when he was an offensive coordinator when I was in the coach and um, 13, 2013, he took over Coach Pagano when Coach, Coach Pagano was battling his, uh, his cancer, um, his cancer scare. But, uh, BA, man, he's a, he's a leader. A leader, a leader of men, man, and, um, guys, um, play hard for him. Play hard for him. Um, guys have the utmost respect for him. He's a family guy. Um, you know, family is always around and he, he's definitely is a family guy and, um, it's good to see him back as well. You know, he said he was going to step away from the game. He did for a year, but I, I don't think he could stay away for too long. So, um, I'm I'm definitely happy for him. Glad to see him back um, back in the in the, in the, in the fold of things, and I think he'll do great things out there in Tampa. I do want to ask just a couple more things about this, the life after football stuff. We had Jermichael Finley, who I know I think is your stalemate with your your agent. So I imagine you've had conversations with him on earlier in the week, and and he talked about how really at the point when his career came to an end, he didn't know how to pay bills. It was all totally new to him. You know, he had no plan. You're a guy who, as we've alluded to, does have a plan. I mean, are you a rarity, or are you starting to see more guys have awareness of that while their career is still going I, on? I think more guys are starting to have yeah. aware of that. You know, um, <clears throat> just being, um, I think we're in a world now where, like, this entrepreneurship is, 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 is very heightened, you know, and I think a lot of guys are starting to, um, to really gravitate to that. Um, I think a lot of guys are starting to, you know, become take take their take their brand more serious whereas you know it's just not i'm just not a football player i'm this i'm that you know um and i think that's very um that's very good um for the players and for the and then i think it's very important for the older guys to really um pass that down to the younger guys you know um i tell the younger guys all the time is that you know treat this uh treat the nfl like a business you know um the owners treat it like a business the gms treat it like a business you have to treat it like a business as well, where the outside world might not like you for that, um, i.e. Le'Veon Bell, but you have to treat it like a business. You have to look at yourself um, 
as a Fortune 500 company. So you have to do what's best for your for your company. So I think a lot of guys are starting to, to realize um, what this is all, all about and that um, this game not going to last forever. You have to start working on your um, your, 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 your second career. Like as soon as you step into this league, start working on your second career. Like I said before, you don't know how lo- how long you'll be in the league. You mentioned you have to be uh, an inspiration almost for younger guys. Who have you taken cues from? Because I guess in your career, you'll have seen both ends of the spectrum: guys who you played with, who yeah. maybe life has gone downhill since, and guys who've been really successful after football as well. Yeah, so you know, I, I talk to a couple of guys daily. You know, you have Reggie Wayne; he's on the NFL Network. He's doing great things. Um, I have a, a old teammate, Gary Brackett. He's in Indianapolis, and he has, you know, um, some restaurants out there and doing very well. And, you know, those are the type of guys that I, you know, I, I continue to, 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 to pick their brains you know, and, and, and really get ideas from them. And then just, just, just look across the, across the, um, across the board of, um, of, 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 of veteran players and former players, and uh, you kind of dive into some of the things that they're doing, whether it's um, – Going back in the tech business, or um, you look at Peanut Tillman, and I think he's a um, uh, might be like an FBI agent or something like that. So it's a lot of interesting things that guys are are getting into, and you um, you become fans of that. And and as for your own career, I mean, how how much longer do you see? How are you feeling now? I'm feeling good, <laughs> man. I'm feeling good. I'm going into my 14th year, man. So at this point, um, you know, it's, it's a lot of it's a lot of things that go go into it. You know, it's a like again, I know it's a business. I have another year on my contract, so for me, man, it's just take it day by day, uh, week by week, year by year, man. And um, whenever my body tells me, "Look, man, you need to get this thing up," that's what I'm gonna do. Brilliant, thanks, man. Bet on yourself inside the mind of the ultimate underdog by Antoine Bethay. I'm gonna get this. I appreciate it. And uh, to the <laughs> listeners, man, you can go to uh, com to get the book, or you can go on Amazon. And if you get it, I hope you enjoy it. Brilliant. Brilliant. Thank you so much, much, man. All right. Thank you. A regular now with us on Radio Row and one of our very favourite all-time guests. Just a bit of an all-round legend, really. Kelvin Beecham, now with the New York Jets, formerly uh, with uh, with our Jacksonville Jaguars. London's Your Jacksonville, Jacksonville Jaguars. Jaguars. Your. Right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Kelvin, real pleasure. How are you doing, buddy? Doing well, man. So good to see you again. Uh, glad to see <laughs> you doing well, too man. Too kind. Too hey, kind. man, you've been so good to me, man. So this is, this is nothing. Just to come here and spend a little time with you, talk a little ball, and uh, see what's going over there across the pond. And how are you feeling? You're healthy? You're good? You're feeling good after the season? Body feels good. You know, this is going into year eight. Um, came out healthy, played every snap, played every game this year, which is which is always something hard to do. But if you can get it done, that's a big deal. So trying to do it again next year, see how things progress. And how is, I mean, how's life at the, at the Jets treating you? How's life in that New York market? Man, the New York market is completely different than what you <laughs> see in Jacksonville. Uh, you know, it's... it's uh, it's fast-paced, first and foremost. It's a lot of volume. It's a lot of noise. Um, but it's New York. You know, I enjoy the market. I enjoy being there. You know, just got to find a way to get some more wins and find a way to get in the playoffs and, and really kind of be somebody that people want to talk about in New York instead of kind of where people just want to kind of throw their trash and just, you know, kind of push you <laughs> off to the wayside. So got some work to be done. Felt like towards the end of the season that after seeing some initial kind of flourishes of, of excellence that – Sam Donald was really starting to get it towards the end of the year and, and show some real like flashes of the ability that we saw in college. And, and there's something I think for Jets fans to be excited about there. Very exciting. You know, the thing is, is you, if you see how he progressed throughout the entire year, 
Um, he just got he just continued to get better. You know, he had the injury that happened kind of midway through the year, and I think that break was actually good for him because when he came back, he was on fire, um, finding ways to lead us on drives, sustaining drives, putting up points. You know, I think about two games where it was just dinking and dunking and finding a way to get the ball down the field, that Green Bay game, uh, the Houston game, on, I think it was a Saturday night. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we thought we had the game won with, the, with that last touchdown, but, you know, they ended up finding a way to score late in the game. Uh, but he's, you can just see how he's progressed. The, the, the cold game, you know, freezing game down there in Buffalo um, where he, you know, got hurt early in the game and then came back and led us on a game-winning drive. So you see some of the, 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 the makings of a, of a great quarterback. Now it's, you know, not only for him but also us and the people around him to continue to develop uh, so we can find a way to put a, uh, more wins in the win column. How influential has Josh McCown been on him? I think he's been extremely influential, honestly. I think having somebody that has been there, done that, been on both sides of, uh, of the equation, both you know being in the playoffs and winning games and then also having rough years like we had this year, to be there to, to kind of be that, uh, that backbone and just kind of keep him in sync, to kind of keep him and hold him accountable and let him know that you know it's not going to always be like this, but this is part of the journey. This is part of growing up as a, as a, as a quarterback. This is part of... You know, the, the, the mental aspect of the game that a lot of people really don't talk about a lot, but having somebody like Josh in his corner, I think has been, uh, been great for him. And, I, you know, like, I got a lot of respect for Josh. You know, we call him Uncle Josh in the locker room. Uh, he's been around a long time. Hope I can have a career like Josh, you know, being around for almost 20 years, man. He, he's done it, and he's done it at a high level. Not old man McCown. <laughs> old man McCown. Hey, but, I mean, the thing is, he, or 40, amazing, hey, it's amazing, man, to play this game for as long as he's played it. Mm. That doesn't happen too often. You know, you got Brady doing it. Uh, I mean, it, it, that just doesn't happen too often when you have guys that play 15-plus years and can still come in and actually perform at a high level. Playing this game uh, of national, you know, National League football is not an easy feat. And if you're able to do it, you know, past the, the, the average, which is three years, if you're able to get to 10 years, if you're able to get to 15, and you start flirting with that number of 18, 19, and that's, that's a big deal. You know, that's a, that's, that's a lifetime, you know, for, for, for guys in, in the National Football League. Have you had any communication at this point with, with Adam Gase, any of, the, uh, any of the new coaching coming I in? I have not. I hadn't talked to him. I uh, hadn't, you know, hadn't heard from him yet. I know that he's still assembling his staff. Um, you know, this is transition for everybody. So, you know, that, those type of conversations won't happen until we get back in April. Um, all I know is what I've seen on social, which, you know, everybody knows about. You know, the Internet is undefeated. So that's kind of all I know right now. So really excited to just see him for myself, get to talk to him for myself, um, get to, to, to hear from him and, and, and learn from him. You know, I've heard a lot of good things about him. So for me, I'm just excited to get back in the building. You know, again, I'm here talking about everybody else but the New York Jets, even though, you know, you got the Super Bowl. I want to be in this thing one day. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, it's just getting – Getting in with Coach Gaze and, and finding out what we need to do as, a, as an organization, as an offensive line, to, to put things uh, uh, kind of on a positive trajectory. Do you think, uh, are you excited that it is an offensive mind coming in, a, a guy who is a great coordinator and a guy who's known as being someone who can work with quarterbacks and, mm-hmm. and develop Sam Donald? Like, for you guys on that side of the ball, is that something that gets you hyped, gets you excited? It's a, it's a big deal because the thing is, if you're scoring points, that means the other team has to score points, you know? Um, and if you got a defense that can, you know, we got Greg Williams that, that came in mm-hmm. and is, you know, is a defensive minded guy. Um, if you can score points and stop people, that's how you win games. So excited to have him in. Um, you know, he's coached a number of, of, of quarterbacks that has, you know, that have went on to, to do pretty well. You know, Peyton Manning being one of them. So 
you know, hopefully uh, Sam can have that type of career and I can be the left tackle for the, the, the first first part of that. And nice set. It must be great for you as well, the knee troubles you had previously, to go out, play every snap this season, mm-hmm. to have a, an offensive line that was relatively settled, kind of didn't for sure. have too many injury problems yep. across it. And, you know, I always think that having that cohesion as a unit... It's so underrated if you can have a team that can have the same five guys starting for 16 games. It's huge. If you can have that, that's, that's, the, that's the key. If you look at the two offensive lines that are playing in this game, mm-hmm. you know, they've been together for the better part of all year. It hasn't been too much, um, you know, games that are being missed, people missing snaps. Um, and, you know, that's, that's what it's about. If you have an offensive line that can stay healthy, stay together for a couple years at a time, hope that they, you know, keep a core group of us together for some time, be able to build a real rapport. Uh, with one another, uh, you build that chemistry and that cohesiveness, that, that cohesiveness like, like you talked about. Now, you're here at the Super Bowl, which we love, mm-hmm. but Walter Payton, Man of the Year nominee. Mm-hmm. How, um, how important is that for you? And, and the other kind of uh, things that you, that, uh, that you do helping people mm-hmm. outside of football? For sure. Um, it's a big deal. You know, um, you know, it's a testament to my parents, first and foremost. Uh, they ingrained... Um, a relationship with Christ first you know that was the first thing that they talked about with us when we were kids and to now be able to be a grown man have kids of my own and, and show them how to serve um, and then be able to go into communities um, not only that I play in but also where I played at so still go back to Jacksonville and still, still so into that community still so into the community there in Pittsburgh and still so into the community there in Dallas where I went to went to went to went to college so yeah, SMU yes Come sir on, SMU Love baby that. pony up yeah um, but to be able to just continue to sow into those communities you know I just find it a privilege and an honor to be able to sow into those communities and continue to serve and then to be honored and recognized for it is also a big deal because you know the thing is is you know you, you don't do this for you know you don't do this for awards you don't do this for 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 honors and recognition you do it for the people you do it for impacting their lives and to be honored for it is a big deal now you talked about this offensive lines for this weekend and, and how strong they both look the patriots in particular you're going up against in the last two games you've had joey bosa melvin ingram uh chris jones uh, justin houston. justin houston d ford d ford like arguably five of the top 10 pass rushers in the nfl this season mm-hmm. And Brady has been touched three times and not sacked once. Mm-hmm. How impressed have you been with what you've seen from them? I know it's a divisional rival yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's hard yeah, to be yeah. positive I mean, but, about the, but it, the but thing is, you, I love football at the end of the day. And I love offensive line play. And what you've seen out of that group, um, you don't see too often. I think that's a credit to Dante, their, their O-line coach, who's been there for 20-plus years. And when they've lost Super Bowls, it was because he wasn't there other than last year. Um, but they've won a lot of Super Bowls with Dante being the, 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 at the helm of that offensive line. And if you look at how they're running the ball, it, it, you don't see a fullback and you don't see people running straight ISO like they used to in, mm-hmm. in, in, you know, with the Great Wall back in Dallas when they had uh, Johnston in the back or, or Mike Allstott you know, with, with Tampa Bay. They're putting a fullback in the backfield and running right at you. You don't see that too often. I think if you look at that offensive line and what they've been able to do this year and what they've been able to do over the last couple of weeks, you know, it's been impressive. But I think what you need to look at is can L.A. do anything with that? The thing is, is all those, all those you know, uh, defensive units you mentioned, they didn't have it all across the line. They didn't have both interior guys and both edge rushers that can really put Peyton on his – I mean, uh, put uh, Tom on his back. And you look at when he lost Super Bowls against the, the Giants, you had O.C., mm-hmm. you had Justin Tuck, mm-hmm. you had Strahan. 
They put him on his back the entire. It's not. That's not. That's not bad. Now you look at the Rams. They have Sue. And they have Donald. But do they have anybody on the edge that can really make him step up in the pocket and step into that pressure and step into those two disruptive guys in the middle? Well, you know Dante Fowler. He's, Dante, he's, he's great, but Dante, I mean, you, you look at that game. I saw we was watching, you know, watching a little film here earlier. You look at that game against uh, um, uh, the Saints. Dante really only got to the quarterback and really only created pressure twice that I think Early in the game, the made made uh, uh, Drew step up and, and throw the ball early, and then the last play where he he hit him as he was throwing the ball. Those plays were impactful, but those are only two plays. You know, if you don't have anybody that's making Tom step up every single time he's dropping back, and then you also got to think you can run right at Dante. Dante is not a big guy. You put Trent Brown on Dante and they're running weak. I would take that. And Trent Brown, I mean, Kelvin I'm, is, I'm for people who are listening on radio, <laughs> Kelvin is, you, I mean, you are small for a, a I'm, left I'm tackle. I'm small, like, still the smallest one. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> you know, Trent Brown, I think he's the biggest. Hey man, Certainly he up is there. massive. <laughs> I want to say 6'7", six, 6'8". Six, you know, he's a couple biscuits away from 360. You know, he's a big man and moves extremely well. I'm a if couple you, of biscuits away from 360, <laughs> but I don't move anywhere near as well as uh, but it, look at, a factory away. Look at, look at late in that game and look what New England did. They started running weak. All they did was started doing, all they started doing was running weak, running right behind mm-hmm. Trent Brown. It was weak side zones, running right behind them. I can see them doing the same thing versus Dante if they get Dante one-on-one with, with, with Trent Brown over there on the left side. Kelvin, have you played against the Rams before? I've never played against the Rams. Before. So I was going to ask you what's, what's Aaron Donald like to face, but from you watching the game, what makes him well, I take that so back. good? I, and I take that back. I've never played against L.A. I played against St. Louis when they were in. Fine. So I, I take that back. I, play, I played against them uh, in 2015 uh, when they were in St. Louis. Okay, fine. So what what's, what's makes Aaron Donald so good? Man, he's, he's elusive. He's explosive. He's short. And a lot of people think because he's short, he doesn't have the same type of ability. Oh, you can get either. Somebody played rugby. If you can get underneath and drive someone up. Him him and Geno Atkins are both short, and they do a phenomenal job of creating leverage. But what Aaron Donald, you know, we call it slippery in the the offensive line. We call it slippery. He's very, very slippery. He's hard to get your hands on it, keep your hands on him. You may be able to get your hands on him, but can you keep your hands on him? For the entire, you know, for the entire play, and then rep after rep after rep, um, he's a phenomenal pass rusher. You know, the thing is, is if you get him one on one with one of those guards, I think he will win. You know, I would say seven times out of ten. Um, and then the thing is, you got a Dominican over there on the other side, so yeah. it's like you kind of got to pick your poison. You well, know, and that's the thing when you were talking about James Devlin talking about the fullback game. You're going to have to see, because they're going to double Aaron Donald. They that's, got that's, to. You're going to have to slide the center, Correct. which means you get a one-on-one on the other side. Correct. And if Devlin it doesn't play double the percentage of snaps that he plays normally this weekend, I wouldn't be stunned well, at all. Also, he's got to get in there and help out. And Gronk has been phenomenal over the last two weeks of being blocking. a blocking tight end. Exactly. Like, that's the kind of stuff we haven't seen before. Not out of him. Not yeah. out of him. And the thing is, man, he's walking around and like he's hurting. You know, but, but when he's having a run block, He's doing a phenomenal job of being able to take away a player. So if you put him one-on-one on the defensive end, you usually chalk that up as, all right, the tight end is going to lose. But Gronk is winning all his one-on-ones with DNs. You look at that game, again, that, that game against Kansas City, every time you saw him one-on-one, he won. If he had to block him base, if he had to kick him out, he won that particular rep. And you don't see that a lot out of a tight end. 
George Kittle. Just saying. Uh, how <laughs> on you and your 49ers stuff? Uh, Heath Miller. Uh, that's the only other <laughs> yeah, tight end yeah, that I knew. Matt Spade. Those are the only two other tight ends that I knew that can take one-on-one blocks with DN and actually win those reps. It's funny because the one thing we've, we've talked a lot about the Patriots in the first couple of days and what they're doing on the offensive line and Brady not being touched. But actually... What, what I love about the Rams is that they went out there, they got two experienced guys for the left-hand side of the line in Saffold and Whitworth. You know, I mean, how old's Andrew Whitworth now? Like 45, 46, he's, something he's, like that at this been, point? He's been in this thing for a long time, too. And he, when they run those screens, when they run those, like, kind of outside, he's just... His ability to get to the outside, to get up and make the block at the second level, what they do with that line, I think we haven't talked about very much yet, and I think could be really key. You know, you think about this year, I think statistically they had the best running average. I think it was like 6.9 a carry. That does not happen in the National Football League very often. To be a part of that, that means you're in second and three, seven seven out of ten times. Second and three? All you got to do is run another bootleg or run a run quick game. Second and three, second and two, second and four. And, and do you know what it brings in? That play-action game, which the Rams run better more than, than anyone else better in the than league. Anybody. And That's what's going to be interesting. That zone game versus that 3-4 defense that, that, that the Patriots play, if they run a 3-4 defense, you know, I think that zone game will chop them up. Because the thing is, they don't have edge guys that can really – move well to be able to counter when somebody is bootlegging around, especially if you're selling that zone like they're doing. That means you got Flowers that has to play soft on the backside instead of being able to cut down. You got Claiborne and, 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 and uh, 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 Noy, uh, Van Noy, that have to play a little soft on the outside because they're worried about the bootleg game, which means if you worry about the bootleg game, that zone can hit front side and hit backside so fast and Gurley and, and Anderson are doing a great job of running that zone game, and it, it can kind of chop him up a little bit. For the first time, for literally the first time this week, I just got really excited about Sunday. I amazing. know that's ridiculous to say when we've been in town for two days already, but just talking about this, getting into, I love the trenches. I love the line play. It's See, just I'm, giving you, I'm giving you ammo for this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Ollie Wilson, our play-by-play guy, sat here just taking notes throughout. <laughs> Kelvin, you speak so brilliantly about this, and you've got such knowledge. When you do hang up your cleats... Do you think coaching could be something that you'd like to get into? Man. I know you do such great yeah, stuff yeah, yeah. outside of football, but, man, you, you can do that, surely, right? I, I enjoy it. I don't know if I can do it every day. I enjoy it. The thing is, is, is you all have to come up with content and stuff to talk about 24-7, 365 days a year. I can do it maybe, you know, 30 minutes a week, mm. you know, 45 minutes a week. I, I don't know if I, I just couldn't do it. Y'all, I, 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 I tip my hat to y'all. For being able to do that uh, every single day, I just couldn't. Do, I don't know if I can do it every, you know, every single day. I don't mind stepping in and kind of giving my my opinion from time to time. Uh, but sometimes, sometimes you don't you don't want to hear an opinion. You want to hear, you know, the, you want to you want to have that steady voice. And I'm just not that steady voice. I, I have too much up and down in my life to to, to try to <laughs> deal with that. One of my favorite voices, all of Radio Row. I love Kelvin Beecham. <laughs> and when when we were asked if we could do it today, I'm like, yeah, of course we can do it today. I implore people. He's the best. Go to KelvinBeachin.com and just find out more about him because yes, he is an absolute delight. Big fan. There's an awful lot of love from this side of the table to you, big I guy. love it, man. I've got to come across the pond and spend some time with y'all, man. Well, listen, if you do, don't bring your drone. No did drones? You, you're, 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 you're not allowed drones you, in London? Did you hear about the drones that shut down London's second biggest airport? When was this? Gatwick Airport, just before Christmas. They, uh, they caught uh, somebody fl- flying unlicensed drones at the end of the runway, and it basically shut down the airport for two days. They reckon it's the Russians, but I don't think it is. Yeah, I think it was just some weirdos 
you don't do any of that, do you? I don't fly around airports. Good man. Good that's, man. You know, I don't do that. I think that's 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 stupid. Um, but what I do do is I have drones that can follow me autonomously. It's a company called Skydio. I'm actually an investor in the company. Uh, but flies around autonomously. So all you do is cut it on, put your phone in your pocket, and it will follow you. You don't have to do no buttons. You don't got to do none of that stuff. Um, so I, I, I'm, I'm into oh, that's like that's driverless cars. That terrifies that me. That has blown my <laughs> mind. <laughs> me. I'm not. I mean, we did. We went to a high school game in Louisiana last year because uh-huh. we're that nerdy. And uh, they had drones during the game filming the plays. And then when the defense or the offense would come off the field. They'd have that footage ready to go, so the coach could sit there. This is a high school game. You got to come to Texas, then. They got, they got, they got even better, better technology and better stadiums than that, man. It's, <laughs> it's, it's better. Some shade in Louisiana <laughs> for the Texas. I know exactly. Love that exactly. <laughs> it's, 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 it's better stadiums in Texas than than almost some college teams around here. Right now, I love now. Texas. Got to uh, come down, man. You got to get some barbecue. You may go down to Texas. Oh too. man, barbecue! You're a grill master as well. Yes, sir. Uh, what is a grill master? Man, it's somebody <laughs> that knows what they're doing with the grill. Man, that's oh, simple. Good. Some people, some people really don't know. I, I, I was on, I was on with some guys earlier this morning, and I asked the guy, I'm like, man, what do you grill with? Do you grill with coal or do you grill with gas? And he was like, gas. And I'm like, well, no, you don't grill with gas. I understand we want to be all emission free. We want to save the environment, which I'm all for. But and it's you, easier as well. And it's easy. Lazy. Exactly. I'm a lazy man. Right. You can't be a lazy grill guy. I mean, you, you got to, when you smoking something, you got to smoke something for like six or seven hours, eight hours sometimes. Mm, you got to, exactly. Mm. You got to smoke it where when you pick that rib up. that big green egg. <laughs> can't oh. get no green egg. I mean, you can, but I mean, if you're going to do it, do it right. Get you a smoke box, get you some mesquite wood, get you some rocks, get you some coal. Make sure that that thing is smoking for a couple hours. If you're going to put some ribs on there, you want your ribs falling off the bone where you pull the bone out and it just slickly just comes out of there. You want some real food. Y'all getting me excited. What you talking about? Uh, We've heard about a really good barbecue place on the edge of town. Out here? Well, I can't remember. Fat Mats. Fat Mats. See, I don't know. I don't know Atlanta barbecue that well, but I mean, I'm, I'm willing to try it. I'm always willing to try it. I, give, I, I can be. I can be a barbecue connoisseur if they wanted me to. <laughs> I'm going to let you know where it is. <laughs> fat Mats. We're going for Fat Mats later. It's going to happen. Kelvin, thank you so much for your yes, time. Yes, sir. Anytime, really brother. Good fun. Yes, sir. When you buy car or home insurance, you can choose a free gift with Confused.com rewards, like green flag breakdown cover, a £20 Domino's or Halford's voucher, or a Now TV pass, all for free. But, no but. Because that's what free means. No ifs, buts, or maybes. Don't be confused. Be Confused.com. Available on single annual policies, Now TV 18+, plus, full T's and C's online. So we're back on Radio Row and we're joined by, well, now a regular guest of us at this point. Now we're on year four or five of having a table. Lee Steinberg is with a super agent, the man who Jerry Maguire is based on. More first overall picks than any other agent in the history. This is all just off the top of my head now. I don't even need, to, <laughs> don't even need his information in front of me anymore. Plus, we go to his party every year on the Saturday. He gets to chat to some big names from around the world of, of the NFL and, and celebrate some of the great work they've been doing. So tell us a little bit, Lee, about what the party what's planned for this year who's going to be getting some of the awards because it looks like it's going to be another good one so we're do we do humanitarian awards to try and highlight the good works that people in the nfl do off the field as opposed to just the negative and the owner awards going to mark davis of the raiders the executive awards we have two uh which is uh John Robinson, the uh, GM of the Tennessee Titans, and John Snyder, the GM of the Seattle Seahawks. 
who coaches Mac Nagy from the uh, Chicago Bears. Uh, we're honoring the Jones boys for uh, uh, Alvin plays for Baltimore. Aaron is the running back for Green Bay. Mm-hmm. Nick Lowry, former place kicker. And then my career started here back in 1975 with a quarterback named Steve Bartkowski, who was the very first pick in the first round of the draft. So we're going to honor him. We, uh, we've got a virtual reality exhibit where you can put a headset on called MVP. You can put a headset on and you become Patrick Mahomes. You see the, the defensive players rushing towards you. You hear the crowd noise. You're immersed in the experience. So that's sort of fun. We're doing a live hookup between the party and troops in the field in Afghanistan. Um, to sort of ha- let them have some fun and talk to some athletes. And we're also doing another brain health summit mm-hmm. uh, beforehand because uh, I've been fighting this issue for years and years. It's it's uh, concussion and TBI, and it's trying to focus on prevention, awareness, and cure in the area of uh, brain health because the athletic concussion issue is a serious one. You mentioned the chance to be Pat Mahomes in that situation. I can remember two years ago when you we brought, brought, we you brought, brought him Pat here. over to, to Radio Row and Ollie had seen him in college and there was some talk about where he might go and how successful he could be. Well, his first season as a full-time star, I mean, he's going to win the MVP on Saturday. I think we all know that. How exciting has that journey been for, for you with Pat and what can you tell us about how he's reacted to it? Well... The first thing to say is the first year of starting for a quarterback, because the field moves so much faster, it's really hard to visualize, and it's filled with misadventure. That's when they line up over guard instead of center. It's when they throw ridiculous interceptions, and that's what it's supposed to be like. You know, I had Troy Aikman, who was 1-15 his first year with Dallas. Um, if you look at iconic quarterbacks like uh, Manning and Elway, they threw double the interceptions. They did touchdown passes. So we knew he was going to be a splendid player, but not this quick. And when he goes out after two games and he's thrown uh, ten touchdown passes and no interceptions, and Canton, Canton uh, uh, asked for his jersey, <laughs> it was something sort of special. He's got a unique temperament brought up by a father, who played baseball for years, so he saw the extra effort it takes behind the scenes to be uh, uh, outstanding. He also got the whole not be too high or too low, and he had a mother who raised him to be uh, concerned about the feelings of others so that um, he's a... If you like him on the field, you'll love him off the field because he's a splendid young man. We're working on a charitable foundation. We, we had a, a good chance to catch up with him during the off-season. We, we had him on the phone for 20 or, or so minutes, did a big feature on him in Gridiron magazine. We, we actually tipped him to be MVP in our first magazine of the year. <laughs> so yeah, we, genuinely. We've got a copy of that magazine. We are bringing it on Saturday, and we, we, we want to get a picture of Pat with it because that would be fantastic because yeah. he is... Tipping him to be MVP is probably the best thing you've ever done, Matt. Yes. <laughs> like Lee said, none of us expected him to be this good this quickly, but you say about how much you'd like him off the field. It did strike me because it was I conducted the interview and for 20 minutes. It's never about him. It's always about the teammates, the coaching, the uh, you know how effusive he was of his praise for Alex Smith, who obviously played in front of him last season. He seems so humble and so grateful for everything that's come his way. He's grounded. He's very grounded. Um, 
has a sense of who who he is. He's not arrogant, but he does expect to be in the central moment. Um, he was brought up to be that way. Um, and we have a, a mantra that I give him every week, which is stay in process, which means doing those things, whether it's getting drafted and, and how you're going to test or whether it's playing football, do keep doing those things that will enhance your career on the field. Uh, tune out all the extraneous. Uh, and so he's not self-absorbed. He's uh, uh, the fact He's only partly aware of the fact that I went to Columbus, Ohio to speak at Ohio State, and the cab driver said he was his fa- favorite player. The kids in the class did. Uh, he's not tuned in or focused on all that. He's just trying to get to the Super Bowl. Do, do you, um, you've obviously worked with Troy and a, and a lot of other guys who have been really successful. Do you see parallels between guys like that? Do you see things in... Pat Mahomes that you previously saw in, in Troy Aikman. They all have incredible ambition to be the best. They're all focused on what they can do to get better, not sitting on their laurels. Uh, they're all willing to put any amount of work behind the scenes into it to to get better. Patrick has an, what we call an eidetic memory, which means the ability to re- recall virtually everything uh, that he's done, so it helps him not to to make uh, mistakes. And uh, and his arm, oh my God, is freakish. So during pro scouting day, he stood on the 25 yard line uh, at Texas Tech, and he threw the ball across the field through the other end zone. So that's just 85 yards. <laughs> and uh, there was a time when he was going through scouting and uh, ESPN does a car wash where the player does every single show. So they have these two big buildings and a walkway across them, which is really elevated high. And to get the ball over it is a prodigious feat. So he goes back, he throws the ball over it, and there's a dummy sitting on the other side in a little chair and he hits the dummy in the hands. Um, he can do things with the football. I just, uh, you know, I have three quarterbacks in the Hall of Fame. I've represented probably 130. Um, I haven't seen done before. We we had a, uh, a fellow on yesterday, Josh Booty, who played in both the. Josh was yeah, my client. I, I thought he was, and I was yeah. going to say it, but you know, when sometimes well, you just doubt yourself. Another, you don't get a wonderful man. As well. uh, and he, yeah, lovely, I mean, lovely Josh guy. Did mention it. Oh, well, that would have probably helped then. <laughs> um, but he was the absolute. It, we were talking about delivery of the ball and what all astounds me is that you saw it with that play against the, the New England Patriots when uh, who was it who was getting right in his face and he just side-armed that pass out of nowhere it was the line. and it was to throw the ball from the angle as low and as sidewards as he did it was like a, a, a guy throwing from shortstop or a guy throwing like from first base around the runner to get it back to home it yeah. was unbelievable well the interesting thing is that He's got the regular game down so much that he spends time coming up with interesting things. So he's practiced the no-look pass, you know. He's tried to throw the ball with his left arm. So um, you would think some of it's improvisation, but he's thought through uh, uh, how to get out of really uh, difficult uh, situations. And we're having fun on the marketing. Um, it, uh, we sort of 
kept everything low-key the first year, and then this, this last year we tried to make sure he wasn't on billboards all over town or he wasn't on commercials so that his play on the field could lead the play, uh, lead off the field. But now it's fun. We've got uh, his cereal, Mahomes Magic Crunch, is coming out in a couple of weeks. It's Frosted Flake. We originally, the name was Patty Flakes, but they, they, they market tested it and, and they liked Mahomes Magic Flakes better. Seemed like a lot wrong, right? I don't. I love Patty Flakes. That's and, great. And, and so when you're marketing, it's about product categories. Mm-hmm. It's about making sure that so automotive is a product category. He's got a ketchup deal. He's got Avacare. He's got um, uh, Adidas. He's got a whole series. And you will see him now start to emerge, but we're very careful that the scripts reflect him in a positive way, that the um, that we're not oversaturating him. So, you're, you know, it's like if I see another Peyton Manning ad, it doesn't have any effect. You know? <laughs> Can I ask about him as a, as a person? Because when I when he was on Radio Row last year, um, it was quite demure. I gave him my water. It was one of my claims to, claims to fame. But uh, he's, a, he's, he's a very humble guy, as you can say. It was a, that water that's been responsible for all that. <laughs> from, from, uh, from the horse's mouth, and I'm going to take that. So, but has he changed much no. in, the last, in the last year, despite all of this success on the field? No. So when I say stay in process, it means keep doing the things that you originally were going to do. So... Um, all of us in our lives, if you have some profile, you have to bifurcate that and live your real life like we're talking now as opposed to your public life. And he doesn't confuse the two. You know, you've got a steady girlfriend. Uh, his pit bull, Steel, has its own website. His pit bull has more followers on face, on Instagram than I do. I hope you're representing the pit bull. As a matter of fact, you're so prescient. I, I uh, uh, submitted a, a, a tweet to the Pitbull and said, uh, have you seriously considered representation? I think you've got a very high upside. It's the new department at uh, LeeSteinberg.com, the canine department. That's exactly. You know, actually, in my earlier career when I was representing broadcasters, I did represent a dog. Uh, it was a show with uh, called Matt and Muck- Muttley, and... Uh, you know, it was uh, he was low maintenance. I don't, I don't remember that in the Jerry Maguire movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I wanted to ask about. I, I was watching something because I went into a bit of a YouTube wormhole recently. It was about the um, the draft where where Ben Roethlisberger came out, and obviously all the drama that happened at the top end of that draft with 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 Eli and, and with with uh, San Diego and everything there. But what stood out to me is is after those top couple of picks, and, and Ben was starting to slip down as you went past those non quarterback needy teams. You personally seem to be going through the ringer almost more than he was, his family was. Do you still have that now, like that kind of where you are that involved? That So that was a unique situation because I was sure the New York Giants were going to take Manning because they're... Uh, Ernie Corsi had told me he thought he was a generational player. And I was sure the Chargers were going to take uh, Philip Rivers. But 
they were not having a, a real easy time getting that trade together. And so the coach calls uh, Ben's coach from the Giants and says, now if the fourth pick comes and we haven't done the trade, you're going to be picked. And so I didn't think it would happen. So with 14 minutes and like 45 seconds out of 15 done, they execute the trade. So uh, it was deflating. But... The way that draft worked out, everyone went to the right team. Mm-hmm. In other words, Rivers is great for uh, Manning's great, and Ben went to the perfect team for him because he had a great offensive line, he had great running uh, backs, they had a killer defense, and he went out the first year and won his first 14 games, which is the closest thing I've seen to the Mahomes phenomenon. The um, like you've you've been very open and honest in previous years about some of the struggles you had in, in life and you, we mentioned Roethlisberger you had a, a spell after that where you weren't as involved in the business I wonder given that do you feel almost now that you've got Pat again and it feels like you're right back at the heart with this the, the league's next superstar does, does it feel a little bit extra special? Yes and it feels uh, and having much more fun in those days where I had the 62 first round draft picks and the 8 number 1's and a big baseball and basketball practice, I never stopped to uh, enjoy the success. You just was on to the next deal, on the next deal. And with charitable, you know, whether we're tacking, tackling bullying or, or domestic violence, it was always there were more problems to solve, more problems in the world that athletes and role models could do. So we simply... Uh, this time, I'm having fun. Yeah. It's uh, it's uh, unbelievable. I know how unique this experience is. I know it's very hard to replicate it, so I'm having all the fun I can have. How close was all the Jerry Maguire stuff to real life then? Well, Cameron Crowe, the director, called me up in 93 and said he wanted to do a film that would be based on the life of a sports agent and asked if he should shadow me. So he went to the 93 NFL draft where I had Drew Bledsoe as the first pick. He went to the league meetings where I was showing off Tim McDonald. He went to all sorts of things, and I told him stories, lots and lots of stories. Um, so I started with the first pick in the bra- draft. It's not a great story if you have Jerry Maguire start that way. But a lot of it's based on the stories I told him. And, um, um, and then I worked with... The actors, I took Cuba Gooding Jr. down to the Super Bowl in Atlanta, uh, in Phoenix, and made him pretend he was a wide receiver. Um, <laughs> and uh, I actually had to show uh, Jerry O'Connell, who played Cush in the movie, how to throw a spiral because he had gone to NYU and they didn't have football there. Um, so I've never walked through an airport or sat very long in a restaurant where someone, even 21 years later, doesn't run up to me and say those four words that start with show. <laughs> well, we won't say it then. Uh, Lee, always a real pleasure, and, and we'll see you Saturday. Yes, my pleasure. Thanks Thank so you. much. All right, let's catch up on the latest odds ahead of the weekend, then joined by Jacob from Sky Bet. Jacob. We're only a couple of ways, days away from the big game now. How are your boosts going? How's the market sitting at the moment? Yeah, we're getting close. Yeah, it's good. So today's boost is for the Rams' first offensive play to be a pass play. And that's mm-hmm. being boosted from 6-4 to four to 2-1. Two to one. So we know, you know, in the championship game, Gurley didn't get many touches. And 
we've got here, we don't know how fit he's going to be. They have been running the ball with quite a lot with Anderson when he's been out. You know, could there be a chance there f- for them to mix it up and then go play action when the whole team's thinking a run play? So that's boosted. Yep. And then, so if you're listening to this on Friday, then <laughs> the boost is Patriots to win in overtime. And that's boosted from 20 to 1 to 25 to 1. Obviously, they, that's how they beat Atlanta a few years back, and that's how they got to the Super Bowl this year. So if you like it to be a close game again, then that could be something that tickles your fancy. Okay, nice, nice. And uh, we talked a little bit earlier in the week, the shifting line from where it first started to where it is now. We were waiting for some money to get back on the Rams, and it sounds like the market is starting to get back with them. Yeah, that's exactly what's happened. I think we spoke earlier in the week and said it was about a 60, 40, 70, 30 split for the, for the Patriots. And it's now, as, as I'm speaking to, just about 50-50. So the money is now starting to come for the Rams. Maybe it's at that, at that bigger price. Uh, they now prefer it. This is one of those games where they always say that it's the only game of the season where the, the public money outweighs the kind of professional money. So it's going to be interesting to, to see how that ends up come Sunday. But at the moment, we're sitting about 50-50. Okay, okay. So that's still with the Pat sitting at that two and a half line. Yeah, so that's that's on the match winner. So that's at the Pats at 8 to 11 and the Rams at 11 to 10. On the spread on the handicap, the money's a little bit more for the Patriots. The Patriots still at two, uh, minus two and a half, but the, the spread of money on the handicap is a lot more favor to the Patriots. And that's at about 75% towards the Patriots. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to tell you what I'm going to have as my request about for this weekend. I like the Patriots to win this game by a, a decent margin. I actually, uh, increasingly, I know every game they play is close, etc., etc. So I'm going to take them to cover the spread. But I think it's going to be under on the points. I think it's the highest ever points line going into a Super Bowl. So I like the under. And I'm, I'm going to take this, which I think a lot of people might be a little surprised by. Aaron Donald, Dominican Sue, the edge guys there as well. I'm going to take the Rams to have zero sacks in the game as well. Yeah, so we've got Patriots minus two and a half. Under 55.5 points and Rams, zero sacks. That's going to go back 12-1. to one. Like you said, they've got good rush players of the Rams with Donald and the edge guys and, and Sue, but the, the Patriots' strength really in their offensive line has been on the interior. So if there's ever a team that is matching up to try and beat Donald, I think this is a good one. And as we've seen, you know, I think... There was a stat where the Patriots haven't given up a sack for the whole playoffs. Whether whether that continues, that would be an incredible stat if they could do it the whole way through the playoffs, including the Super Bowl. But if they if they don't give a sack up, then you've got to think they're in a pretty good position for the game. Because when you speak to any player, we hear it in all the interviews. If you let Brady sit back and carve you apart, then he will he will have his way. And as we've seen with some of the games early on in the playoffs. If they're able to control the ball, then they'll take a lot of time off the clock. And then suddenly it's hard for you to score those points. And look, for my money, I think the fact that I, I think you have people always talk about Belichick taking away their two or three biggest weapons. That's what he's so good at. And when everyone hears that, they think you're thinking about the offense weapon. That kind of word relates to that. But actually, their biggest weapons in this game are on the interior of that line, are in Dom Kinsu, are Aaron Donald. I think they slide the center, they double Donald. You then see James Devlin 
maybe even Sonia Michelle taking a huge number of sacks and getting in there and getting in to help out with Ndomakin Sue on the other side of the line. And then what you're saying is Dante Fowler, there's, there's other pass rushers, the, the rookies, the young guys, come out, try and beat us one-on-one. And I don't think that they're necessarily a great matchup on the outside. You've given him enough space to step up in the pocket. I think Brady is going to do exactly that. So that's why I like the no sacks, 12 to 1. I'm putting it, well, I'm signing on to a VPN and I'm putting it on uh, shortly. Uh, <laughs> uh, what about the, uh, the old novelty markets? The, the, uh, the, there are companies out here in America who are actually offering on what the Patriots are going to call on the coin toss, despite the fact that Matthew Slater has actually called the same thing every single time in his career. I'm sure you're not that silly, but what have you got as the fun markets for this weekend? So we've got a number of specials, such as the Gatorade shower. We've got halftime specials, but the main one we've got that I think that I like that we've not seen to it anybody else offers, we've got commentator bingo. So you can bet on what Jim Nance and Tony Romo are going to say throughout the game. So we've got some loads of individual phrases. I think there's up to there's roughly 100 in there for you to choose from. We've got a couple of combinations as well. So you can back for them to say all the names of all 16 NFC teams at 20 to 1. You can also get the same on the, on the AFC teams. Uh, you can get them to say the last few M- MVPs. So for them to say Nick Foles, Von Miller, Malcolm Smith and Joe Flacco at 6 to 1 for them to mention the last winning coaches. So Doug Peterson, Pete Carroll, Gary Kubiak, and John Harwell, that's at 12 to one. So we've got a couple of, a couple of fun ones there. Um, we've also got the classic length of the national anthem. So that line sat at one minute, 49 and a half seconds. Oh, I'm taking over on that. I'm telling you now. <laughs> yeah. It's been a funny one because it's, the line is normally higher. And I think it's been, it's been brought down because there's, there's one video, basically, of Gladys Knight who's performing it, singing the national anthem, and it clocks in at 1.40. Whether it's it's probably a different on a on a big stage like the Super Bowl and home stadium see, as well, yeah, back in Atlanta. See, yeah, you tend to see soul singers as well. It tends to go on a little bit longer. That's why the line is higher than that 1.40. But yeah, I think this is probably one of the hardest ones it's been line wise because it's not. It, there's not that much out there for for for, uh, for evidence. On the on the commentator bingo, I'm going to put an extra request about him based on a conversation I had earlier this week. If you yep. can do it, don't worry if you can't. How many times is Ted Rath's name mentioned? Take the over under about three and a half. Okay, I'll look at that. I'll look into that one for you, and I'll uh, that'll be on site. <laughs> To be clear, to anyone who's listening, I've just completely put that on Jacob without him having any idea of it in advance. So if it doesn't go up, don't be that upset or shocked. Uh, Jacob, brilliant stuff as always. Of course, terms and conditions at skybet.com. It is over 18s only. Please gamble responsibly. Jacob, enjoy the game on on Sunday. Very much. You too. You've been listening to The Gridiron Show. Any uh, any final thoughts, Ollie? Ooh, you came to me first. I just, I'm just This is the out... To end all outs, because we're getting out of here. Good. Good. Oh, good. Because right. I literally cut out your final thought from yesterday. <laughs> I'm very excited to really break down the game if my voice is still intact. Okay, great stuff. Thanks, Sherry. <laughs> That's getting cut out as well. It might do. It might do. Grimble, do you have any final thoughts? Uh, for the gold. My one yesterday was be good to people. <laughs> Today, my final thought is going to be 
always look in people's eyes. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. This has been the Gridiron Show. <laughs>